And now, here's our host. Hi, I'm Richard Bliss, the host of Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, and you're listening to episode 112. Our episode this time is brought to us by Power, the deck-building tactical combat card game available on Kickstarter now under P-O-W-E-R, Power. Take a look, give them some support as they continue to support us. And now, let's bring out our special guest. My guest today is someone who uh, I met at uh, Gen Con this past year in 2012, uh, and I feel very privileged to have them on. They bring a, an insight to this whole board game revolution that's happening on Kickstarter. And I have with me the uh, one of the managing partners from Panda Games, Mr. Michael Lee. Michael, thanks for joining me on the show. Hello, Richard. It's a pleasure to be on here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. We had a lot of fun at Gen Con uh, where, we met, yeah, where we met. And it's exciting to have you guys on because I got to meet you guys. Uh, and when I say you guys... Um, Several of your team was there at Gen Con. Uh, Richard and – was Chris there? I don't remember meeting Chris. Uh, Chris was not there. He will be there this year though or next year, 2013. And what's been exciting and you and I talked about this just a little bit before we started recording and that is the change that has happened in the board game industry over this past year because of Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tell, us, I, tell, tell the audience a little bit about the before and after. Well, I mean kind of what was it like before because you guys have been in business for a while, right? Yeah, well, we've been doing this for over five years now. Uh, we started in early 2007, and the landscape was very different at the time. Uh, we, we, we would always come across aspiring game designers, and uh, the holy grail for them was always uh, to pitch their project to a large company, you know, maybe a Z-Man Games or, uh, or Fantasy Flight, and to have them pick up the game. And uh, they would essentially make royalties from the game and give up control over it. Uh, and, and time and time again, we would, you know, we'd get, you know, if we ever met a game designer, uh, you know, one of the first things they asked was, oh, can you give me the business card of so-and-so at this company? Because it would be great to pitch this game. And uh, nowadays, obviously, with the, the whole Kickstarter boom, uh, people are, you know, getting the funds necessary to launch their products and exciting projects themselves. And from a manufacturing perspective, it, it's completely changed the industry. I mean, we, we, we used to work with a very small number of larger, more established companies. Uh, and now we're working with a lot of Kickstarter. Everybody. You're yeah, working with much, everybody. Yeah, so, anyone with a laptop and a video camera can uh, launch a Kickstarter campaign. So. And become a board game uh, publisher. And so just I, I realized that our listeners, might, all of them might not be aware of who or what Panda Games is. Panda Games is not a game publisher. Hmm. Panda Games is a board game manufacturer. That's correct. Uh, so we uh, we have an overseas uh, manufacturing uh, company. Uh, we're based in Shenzhen, uh, although our head office is in Vancouver. I, I live in Vancouver with my family, and uh, we've been producing games since, uh, like I said, 2007. And some of the more uh, well-known games that we've helped to manufacture have been Pandemic. Uh, and more recently, uh, Eclipse, uh, Mice and Mystics, Summoner Wars, uh, but a, a lot of uh, Kickstarter games as well. So uh, Alien, Alien Frontiers, which is uh, one of my favorite, which is kind of one of the ones that hit, kicked off this whole board game thing last last year in 2011. Yes, one of the pioneers of Kickstarter. Yes, and now, I mean, it is transformational. I, you know, I started my podcast a little over a year ago talking about Kickstarter and the board game industry and kind of people talked about what's it going to be like in 2012. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time I estimated we'd have probably, you know, $5 million in funding. Well, I think what, right around uh, PAX, right around Easter, 
we had like $5 million. We had Zombicide, we had Zpocalypse, we had Sedition Wars, all of them at Ogre, just shy of that million dollar mark. And so it's gone crazy. Yeah, it has been crazy. And your, and your timing has been uh, impeccable. Just, uh, you know, come in at the time and, and, and talk about the subject. I think it's very helpful for the industry. And it, you're, it, it's uh, exciting times, too. Things are changing. It is exciting times. So let's, we have a couple of topics to talk about. So let's first talk about, let's talk about the future. Okay, let's do that. What do we see and what do we think is going to happen? What, what, changes in, in mod- what changes in the industry? Now, we're talking specifically about the board game industry. Um, and you're kind of right there at the, at the point of the spear, so to speak, as all of these companies are coming to you looking to do manufacturing. What are you seeing? Uh, well, we're seeing a lot of companies coming in at various stages. Uh, we, have, we have a lot of people come in and uh, ask us for quotes on projects that are very hypothetical. Uh, I mean, they're just in the early prototyping or playtesting stages still. Uh, and then we have some other guys come to us uh, who are just about to launch their campaign. Uh, and, you know, people have a, a huge range of uh, experiences um, or, or the experience that they have in the industry. So some, some of them, you know, they, they need a lot of hand-holding. And uh, on the other hand, you're actually very surprised sometimes at the quality of files and, and uh, the knowledge customers that, that they're bringing to us. Well, let's talk about that. When you say quality of files, kind of for those who are listening, what, what is it that you're referring to? Well, essentially every board game is just a collection of PDF files, right? Um, and when those files come in, uh, we spend some time in a phase that we call pre-production. And that's where we go through the files with a fine-tooth comb and make sure that we pick out all the possible issues um, so sometimes, you know, files can be uploaded in the wrong format. They might not have the correct resolution. Uh, they they might not have lead. So these are things where a, a professional uh, a, a professional game company uh, will upload files that are print ready and they've gone through the whole process before. Whereas uh, a newer game design company, they may not have the experience, and you know, you want to talk about things that can delay manufacturing labor, and uh, you know, this is one of those things: files that come in uh, that need a lot of adjustments that can really delay the whole process. Hey, Michael, I'm getting a lot of. Uh, is there paper or crinkling or something like that? Uh, no, no, maybe it's just some static. Now we're getting some static, and also you're fading in and out. Um, do you have a micro? Uh, is a microphone nearby to you? Yeah, it should be. Okay. Maybe the microphone closer to my uh, to my mouth as I speak. Yeah, it almost feels like packets that we're losing. That it's the internet slowing down, speeding up, slowing down. But okay, I wanted to just pause here. All right. Um, the nature of Skype connections. Yes, it is the nature of Skype connections. So, it, so is there a way then if somebody's got? Let me start this over. So you, when you talk about these files are coming in, these PDFs, and uh, the quality that an established company, they already know kind of how to do it, how to get it to you. And these new new people coming in, they're sending you these things that oftentimes, I guess, are they ever unusable? I mean, at what stages are we talking about? Yeah, sometimes we receive files. They need a lot of adjustments and a, a simple project that might uh, only take 30 days in production. It might take 30 or, or more days in the pre-production process as we go back and forth 
to make sure that the files are essentially ready. And I guess because right now on Kickstarter, there's just a ton of uh, focus on delayed projects. Uh, everybody's talking about the delayed projects and, and what's going on. And in your case, th- these things – because when people say, well, how long is it to take to produce a game? That's a different number than how long does it take to get a game produced? I guess that I, I'm using a phraseology here, but this it sounds like if, okay, uh, it's going to take 45 days. All right, I send them the files. 45 days later, the game shows up. But what you're saying is, no, that 45 days or whatever the time is doesn't start counting at the point that they send the files, right? Exactly. So uh, just like he alluded to, uh, production is different than the overall time it will take from the point at which the client uploads their files to the point where we essentially start uh, the whole production process. Uh, so we break it up into two different phases. There is the production phase, which is when we actually make everything, and then there's the pre-production phase, which is the phase where the client uploads the files. Uh, we go ahead and create full-color proofs. Uh, we create samples. Uh, and we make sure that the files are ready to print. Uh, so that process can range anywhere from 15 days to 30 days. And in some extreme examples, it's taken us uh, and the client uh, almost two months to get through that process. So it sounds like that you get a wide range of different files, uh, some that have been professionally produced, but then some are, are – are they basically useless? Well, they're not useless, but they, it, they may require a fair amount of work to get them to print ready status. Uh, so again, sometimes we receive files from established companies. Uh, we receive them on Monday. Uh, on Tuesday, we send them an email back saying that the files are perfect and we can start with making the proofs and the samples and everything else. And you know, within a week or two, we can actually start full production. Um, and on that full production, how long, is the, how long does it take to make a game? Anywhere from about 40 days to 60 days, depending on how complex the game is, as well as the total quantity. So, so if I'm a Kickstarter project owner and I've created a board game and I'm thinking, okay, it's going to take me 45 days to get this game done, mm-hmm. I send it to you. I, right. What you're saying then, to be clear, is that I can't start counting that 45 days at the moment I send it to you because there's, we still have to get those files right. Exactly. You can count the 45 days uh, when we send you a package that will include a mock-up of the game, sort of like a, like a prototype version of the game, as well as the full-color proofs and all the samples of the components. So, well, how, to, much, how, how much time can that take between when I send you the original ones and we go back and forth? It can take anywhere from 15 days to 30 days. Really? Wow. Yeah. Do you have some advice? What can... We have several topics to get to here, but what, uh, I guess this is an important one because people get caught off guard then. They make promises about delivery dates and then suddenly something happens. Are mm-hmm. there, what advice do you have? Uh, I would say to start early, uh, first of all. So uh, you know, don't, don't try not to be launching your Kickstarter campaign unless you've finished all your files. Uh, and, you can- there, and, and sh- I, mean, I guess you're suggesting that they, if necessary, go get professional help. To, to, to professional might be a strong word, but to get somebody who knows what they're talking about to create these uh, files for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you're if you're doing the files on your own and it's the very it's the, it's the first time you've actually done anything with graphic design, it could take a very long time. It, it's not as simple as just putting the artwork down on the uh, down on the uh, uh, into your computer program and then saving it as a PDF. 
you know, there are some things you need to know about bleed, uh, the way that uh, colors are saved and that sort of thing. Uh, so get professional help or, or get someone to help you if, if you don't have an experience. Okay, great, great advice. Um, and I think that uh, more and more we're seeing people pop up who actually are starting to specialize in this. Yeah. Um, who, who are good at this. So one of the things though, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that you talked about before on the call was that you guys are seeing you're actually seeing ways that you can help these Kickstarter projects beyond the graphics and the manufacturing, but actually in the creation of their campaigns and some ideas you had. I think you were talking about promotional items and stretch goals. And let's just clarify for our audience why this has been problematic in the past. Sure. Uh, we've, you know, we, we've encountered a lot of different types of projects, and we know that there are so many different campaigns running on Kickstarter right now that everyone's trying to look for an edge, right? Everyone's trying to do something a little bit differently or offer uh, some incentives to help you know, get their project to the next level. Uh, and one of those very common things are to uh, offer stretch goals or promo items. So for example, if you, if you back a project at you know, $10, you get so-and-so, you get the game. Uh, if you back it at $20 or $30, you might get the game plus some exclusive items. Uh, and we've seen a lot of different things promised before. And whereas they're all trying to achieve the same goal, we can definitely say that from a manufacturing perspective, uh, some of these are extremely expensive yeah, to move forward on. A little small thing can actually dramatically change the cost, can it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some some small things can have a huge impact on the cost, whereas some other things may not have as large of an impact. Uh, and we feel that you know, I, I think we've we've sometimes been uh, made aware of these promo items fairly late in the process, and, and people are surprised when when they are told that oh my gosh, you know, adding a single card might be a lot more money. Um, they they thought maybe well, if if you know if we have a hundred cards in this game, uh, adding a single card should just be extremely cheap, right? And uh, and, with- and I know it's not, and and. Explain just real quick because it's a fairly straightforward sure. answer why it's it's not easy. Sure. Um, so the straightforward answer is that it can be cheap or it might not be cheap. And, and the reason is because cards are laid out on printing sheets. And depending on the size of the card, uh, we could fit a certain number of cards on that printing sheet. So let's say that you have a very simple game. Uh, it's a card game with 54 cards. Uh, we can lay out all those 54 cards, uh, assuming that they're standard uh, sort of blackjack size cards. Uh, we can lay out all those 54 cards on a single printing sheet. If you were to offer a single promo card, we would need an entirely new printing sheet, uh, which would cost you know a, a few hundred dollars to print uh, or to create. So that's you know adding a single card is going to have a fairly high setup cost there. Um, but if you're in a situation where your game, where your core game only has 53 cards and you have a space for an extra card on the printing sheet, then you, we can essentially make that promo card for you for no additional cost. Uh, so so there, it really depends on uh, the number of cards in your game as well as the size of your cards so that we can figure out how many cards we can fit in the sheet. And that, and that is a very simple, uh, straightforward thing. And, and this brings up a point Michael, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, but this brings mm-hmm. up a point of so often what we have is a person designs a game, they sit down, they come up, oh, and we'll have this, we'll have this, we'll, this will be cool, and we'll do this. And then when they bring it to you, 
you're realizing that there were so many th- decisions they could have made just like that. They have 55 cards, and you suge- and if they had just had 53 cards, what a difference it would have made. Exactly. And so often, I guess, without knowing these limitations of the manufacturing, you can increase the cost of your game dramatically. Or if you were to approach the game design and say, okay, here are the capabilities of my manufacturer – Mm-hmm. I'm going to build a game within those constraints. Uh, it becomes actually a, a very, um, I guess, it facilitates and makes this process so much easier. For example, box size. Mm-hmm. Right? So a simple thing like box size. Most people think, well, it's okay. It doesn't really matter the width or the size. It just fits on the shelf. And your answer mm-hmm. would be? Well, I mean, with box size, uh, we don't necessarily have any standard box sizes that are pre-made and just you know waiting to have artwork put on them. But, uh, but, there's, uh, a, but there's a certain number of boxes that will fit in a container, I mean, right? Precisely. But yeah, this, but there are some general guidelines uh, that work well when, when considering box size. Uh, so on our website, we actually have uh, a quote form, an online quote form. And within the quote form, there are some standard box sizes that uh, – or, or not, we don't call them standard box sizes. They're common box sizes. So box sizes that have worked very well for other companies uh, because they they fit well in pallets. Uh, they ship easily uh, and they're fairly economical to produce. Uh, with certain types of box sizes, especially box sizes that aren't uh, regular rectangular shaped or for very large box sizes, sometimes they can actually cause uh, a lot of wastage in cardboard. Uh, so yeah, I mean, box sizes, uh, the number of cards per game, uh, even the type of material that you use for the components. These are all things that, uh, if you approach us early on in the process, we can probably give, uh, you know, give a client some guidelines to follow. I to you guys need to put on a, a board game design workshop just from not the design <laughs> mechanics, but just the design of the components. Yeah, yeah. We, we'll we've to, been thinking about something like that. Well, we'll have, some, <laughs> we'll have to put something together. Okay. You mentioned yeah. you had some ideas about stretch goals and promos. Was there anything else that you had on that? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we talked about promo cards and in what situations it, it, it makes sense to offer them and, and in what situations it might not. Um, but we've actually also had a few customers come up to, our, to us recently and ask us for some more creative ways that they can offer stretch goals to their backers and and we know that backers do like exclusive items and they also like to be involved in the entire process Uh, so one thing that a client of ours is offering to some of their backers are uncut card sheets so as you as we were just talking about previously uh you know before cards become cards uh they come in these large printing sheets uh and it's possible for us to you know print off a few of these sheets for some backers and um, you know, perhaps send them directly to the client where the client could frame them, uh, use them as artwork and pass them on to their backers as a, you know, a pretty cool, um, a, a pretty cool stretch goal if they pledge, you know, if they pledge a little bit more money, perhaps um, something else that we have been able to do. Hey, oh, do how big is a card sheet? How big is a card sheet? It is, uh, five cards wide. Actually, I don't. Actually, let me, let me make sure I got this right. It's well, it's it fits fifty four cards. Um, yeah, is it like three feet by two feet? I mean, are we talking forty eight inches or thirty six inches, twenty four inches? Any yeah. idea? 
poster size. Poster size. Okay, perfect. That's what I needed. Poster size. All right. Okay. And then next, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. You had another idea. Uh, another idea. Uh, we talked about the fact that before we actually start printing a game, we send the client a package with the proofs, uh, a mock-up of the game. So sort of like a, like an early uh, Right, like the prototype type thing. But it's, now it's actually at, at manufacturing specs. Right. Uh, asked us, you know, is this possible that we could have a few extras made and given to a few of the high-level backers? And, and that's definitely possible as well. So it kind of if you're a backer, um, you know, being able to see the early mock-up of the game uh, before the production, that, that might be very interesting and it might hold some value. That is cool as well. Well, these are some great ideas. How would – so pandagm.com, that's your uh, website, right? That's correct. Pandagm.com. And then your Twitter handle? Is pan underscore gm. Okay, so let me just say that again. Uh, Panda underscore GM is your Twitter handle. Do you have a Facebook page? No. Okay. And so what's the best way then if people have questions or ideas? Do you have a lot of information there on your website then? Yeah, there's on the website. Our contact information is also there. So if anyone wants to get in touch with us directly, they can contact, contact us through the website or uh, through Twitter. Well, the, Michael, I certainly appreciate the time that you've taken to uh, t- talk about this. It's absolutely awesome that we're able to share this kind of information because so many people are out there wondering and asking. And, and you're right, they're not, they've never done this manufacturing side of things. They're just happy creating the game right. from a design standpoint, not actually from a manufacturing standpoint. Right. Going back to uh, the, the promo items, I, I want more to sort of uh, sure. light if I can. Uh, pieces that are made have a fairly low setup cost. So if there's anything that you need to have made custom, uh, what great material to, to use? So even if it's only 100 pieces or 200 <laughs> So let me just understand if I understand this correctly. If you want a fairly low-cost promo item, make it in wood, not plastic. Correct. You know, and that's funny and ironic because, you know, we've all grown up thinking, you know, plastic's always cheaper than wood, but it's obviously it's a very straightforward reason because wood doesn't need the mold. Yep. So it's a low, a much lower setup cost uh, for a custom wooden piece. We might we might only be looking at a setup cost of a, a few hundred dollars. Whereas with a plastic, the mold could be anywhere from two to five thousand dollars, depending on the complexity. So plastic, you know, in the long run, if we're you know tens of thousands or, or perhaps even hundreds of thousands of pieces, plastic eventually becomes cheaper because the per unit cost is cheaper. But with most of these Kickstarter quantities, we're at a quantity where wood is going to be far more economical. Oh, how fascinating. And tell me, how do you produce that wood? I mean, we're about out of time, but is it is it hand-carved? Is it machine-carved? The sample usually done by hand. Uh, once we get the samples approved, uh, then a machine is set up that will do that automatically. But if it's a very small quantity, I mean, if we're only doing... It, it really, if we're only doing five or ten promo, it might be done by hand. Uh, once we get up to over a hundred, we'll set up a machine and have that done. Well, that's very cool. I like that. That's a that's a great takeaway, Michael. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with us and share this uh, great information. I appreciate it. You've been listening to uh, Funding the Dream, episode one hundred and twelve. My guest has been Michael Lee, one of the managing partners and founders of Panda Games, pandagm.com. They're probably the single most um, 
prolific producer of board games for Kickstarter backer, a Kickstarter project owner. So if you're looking at doing a Kickstarter project and it's a board game, Michael and his team are the folks for you to talk to. Hopefully you've heard something here inspiring. It's been a lot of fun talking to Michael. Thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing your Kickstarter project out there. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to today's podcast. We'll be here next time. Keep the emails coming in and be sure to subscribe. 